Thank you for listening to Podcast West Seattle. I'm your host, Andrew. On this special episode of the podcast, we're going to be taking a look at the story of the high-level West Seattle Bridge. The story of how the West Seattle Bridge was built is an interesting piece of West Seattle folklore that surprisingly few people know. I spoke to five people who have unique perspectives on how the bridge came to be. Here they are, telling the story of how West Seattle got its high bridge. To understand it, you need to stick your right hand out in the air and look at the back side of your hand. And the rest of Seattle is the rest of your hand, and West Seattle is the thumb. And the whole story of West Seattle is how do you get from the thumb to the hand. I mean, it's, it's been an interesting artery into West Seattle all this time, this series of bridges. There have been a, a dozen bridges across that river, and uh, some of them worked better than others. You know, it was just kind of a fact of life. Uh, we'd go down there, and a third of the time, it would be up, and we'd have to sit there and wait at least 10 or 15 minutes or longer. At that time, I had an uncle living here in West Seattle, and he said that bridge is never going to be built. Well, of course, it made it much easier to get to and from West Seattle, which was very important because this is a peninsula. West Seattle is both a part of the city and a part from the city at the same time, and that's part of its charm. I remember the hours of of traffic jams and snarls and all of that. It really hampered our ability to get to where we were going, you know, whether it be downtown or, or somewhere else. If you lived in West Seattle, you couldn't tell anybody downtown how long it would take you to get there. It was a pain uh, to have that. You know, so they'd say, well, when are you coming? Well, it could be 20 minutes. Uh, it could be an hour. Depends on the bridge. A lot of lobbying from people in West Seattle. There had been efforts to get a high-level West Seattle bridge built. West Seattle lived with that for about 50 years. Probably in the mid-1970s, maybe 75. The city tried to uh, come up with plans to build a new bridge. There was a scandal where the Seattle Engineering Department... People absconded with money. Engineering director then went to prison because of that. There was a ballot measure in the 70s when you could vote on it. Yeah, people were hot about that for a while. It was broken promises by the city, and, the, and West Seattle was was not happy with that. You know, people were mad. They were hot under the collar about um, West Seattle not, not getting theirs. They decided they were fed up with this situation of not getting a new bridge, and they cooked up a scheme to secede from the rest of the city. Uh, one of my co-workers on the paper staff uh, was actually interviewed by Larry King on that topic. And these leaders of West Seattle decided, you know, if we seceded from the city, we would become the fourth largest city in the state. They did a wonderful live interview on the Larry King Show about the succession of West Seattle and his opinions on it. The campaign got launched in late March of 1978, and it caught on like wildfire. There were bumper stickers that, that said West Seattle, Washington. They had petitions all over the business districts and people were signing the petitions like mad. There had been a lot of failures to build that high-level West Seattle Bridge. The idea of setting up a city is a very expensive proposition. I think cooler heads prevailed when you figure out um, the tax base and what all you'd have to pay for. Transportation, know. utilities, uh, courts. Uh, uh, policing, that sort of thing. You know, for decades, 
West Seattle was kind of an ignored part of the city. Previously, we had asked for money for the West Seattle Bridge. But it all came to naught. And the head of the federal uh, agency said, no, not unless a, uh, a tug hits the bridge. And then came the night of June 11, 1978. Uh, you know, I did not remember where the prom itself was held, but I do remember that Brian was in his tux and I was in my uh, ball gown, which uh, looks now in retrospect a whole lot like Austrian curtains. I remember that gown. I think I still have a picture of it somewhere. <laughs> well, of course, uh, it happened during the night. We'd been driving around after the prom, I think. Early Sunday morning, 2.58 a.m. We were on the bridge approach um, when we were coming back. And the huge freighter called the Antonio Chavez, it was coming along the west waterway of the Duwamish. We were probably three or four car lengths back from the gate. And it was being piloted by an 80-year-old captain named Rolf Neslin. I, I remember, Brian, that after a while, we got out of the car. And there are various reports, uh, one, that he fell asleep, or two, that he was drinking. There really wasn't a lot of traffic at that time. This ship listed to the east. And we were kind of hanging over. It rammed the eastern uh, span of the 1924 bridge that was stuck open. Uh, a Greek freighter hit the uh, West Seattle Bridge. Uh, the, it was a lower level bridge and it locked it into an upright position. It stuck the bridge open. It smashed it. I mean, you can imagine the sound of the crunching metal in the middle of the night. Kind of, you know, metal on metal screechy things. Um, yeah, none of that. I sort of remember a little quake go through the bridge. I don't even remember a shudder. I, I don't remember anything. Uh, that Could that have been the moment? It might have been where Rolf did his fateful banging into the, the side of the structure. The bridge tender didn't know what to do. This huge crash happens, and up on the wall he has a little scrap of paper that has the phone number for the mayor. But he made a mistake, and he called the former mayor, Wes Allman. And so he wakes up the former mayor in the middle of the night, and, and he says... He'd better call the darn mayor. And so when he got to Charlie... The bridge tender says, uh, the, the bridge is... Uh, stuck open and it's rammed. The ship's rammed it and the bridge is broken. What do we do? Charlie hardly knew what to do and he said, Seize the ship. <laughs> and finally we saw this black mass of a ship going through and then we thought, oh, the ship is through, the bridge is going to go down. And It wasn't like, oh, well, we can fix this. Basically, it broke the bridge. Yeah, we just kept on waiting and waiting and waiting for that bridge to go down. People behind us just started to back up. Probably after, I don't know, 40 minutes or an hour, it, it never did. And I was grateful that Brian knew how to get on the uh, First Avenue South Bridge. And I remember yeah. my mother coming in and sort of going, kind of late, don't you think? And I said, you won't believe it. The bridge got stuck up. And she was just like, oh, my God, that's not even a good lie. Of course, the ramming also created the best pun in West Seattle history. When the ship hit the fan, as they say. The ship that hit the... the oh, the ship that ship hit, hit the, the span. span. It was the night the ship hit the span. It stuck the bridge open. And looked as though it might have been giving the whole city its finger. It was kind of dramatic. We went instantly from eight lanes to four lanes. It was... Uh, an Incredible bottleneck. It was extremely difficult for people to get to and from West Seattle. And this is what propelled the governmental leaders into action. The city, the county, the port, 
this, and, and particularly the federal government. It did take the uh, accident to really get things moving again. We needed money to build a bridge because people in West Seattle were sort of marooned. Seattle City Council member Jeanette Williams chaired the Transportation Committee of the City Council. Jeanette and others rounded up um, people right away. She uh, really sees the responsibility to come up with a plan to build a new high-level bridge to West Seattle. They went to Washington, D.C., set up sort of a little temporary office there, met with Senator Warren Magnuson. And we had a very powerful senator who was uh, head of the Appropriations Committee, and he had quite a lot of uh, federal money at his disposal. He basically drained the nation's bridge emergency fund. And she worked... uh, tirelessly to draw in all people who could be able to help or all entities from the Port of Seattle to the state legislature to the federal government. And this all happened incredibly quickly. You know, usually the wheels of government grind very slowly, but this was an emergency. No, something had to be done. Jeanette brought in national experts to ensure that the, a bridge that would meet the needs, long-term needs of West Seattle was designed and built. Imagine, this is middle of 1978. It was just a little more than two years later that construction began on this, which was the biggest public works project in the city's history at that point. And so it began in November of 80, and the eastbound lanes opened in November of 1983, and the westbound lanes opened in July of 1984. Once the high-level bridge had been built and we were going over it, I did not miss waiting for trains and the boats and all of that to open it up. It really helped to connect West Seattle to the region. It it is a very important connection to the region. For a while there, before the traffic in Seattle generally got bad, it was really idyllic. You'd go over the bridge and... um, And there you were. It was nice for a long, long time. Getting to West Seattle was no longer a problem because of that bridge. It changed the character and flavor of West Seattle. It would, it would, uh, you know, be condos and a lot of traffic. The development pressure in West Seattle just blew up. Lots of condos, lots of uh, businesses. We joined the rest of the city in terms of property values. It certainly served its purpose for 35, 36 years, but that's far less than it was supposed to. It didn't last long. Uh, I think that until there was a, a, a necessity closing. It, it's a bald-faced shock. The bridge was supposed to last 75 years. We're not even halfway there. With the closure of that bridge, uh, it was going to be extremely difficult for uh, people and goods to get around and uh, off of the West Seattle Peninsula. Yogi Berra had a phrase, deja vu all over again. You know, (laughs) it's uh, today we've got a closed bridge and and there's talk of whether it's going to collapse and there's talk of, well, it may never be repaired. And it's talk of of, uh, long isolation. Well, this was going on back in 1978. I I consider it sort of a claim to fame, you know. I was on the West Seattle Bridge when it got hit. Um, But as Brian said, it was kind of a claim to fame, you know, being there from the beginning of that story. This is Brian Dirks, West Seattle High School, Class of 78. I'm Chris Charbonneau, West Seattle High School, Class of 1978. Well, I am Jean Godden, and I am a former newspaper columnist. Uh, My name is Tom Rasmussen, and I 
have lived in West Seattle for about 18 years. Well, my name is Clay Eels. I was uh, working for the West Seattle Herald and White Center News. Nobody would have thought that a ship would ram a bridge and that would trigger the building of a high bridge. Who knows what's going to happen with this bridge? <laughs> A very big thank you to Clay Eels, Tom Rasmussen, Gene Godden, Brian Dirks, and Chris Charbonneau for sharing the story of our infamous bridge. I'll be back again next week with another installment of Pandemic Diaries. Until then, stay healthy and stay home when you can.